Hello and welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast. Another episode of the Colby Daniels podcast. A big thank you to everyone that has subscribed to the podcast already and everyone that's rated the podcast. I really appreciate you guys doing both. So if you haven't done so already, please, please, please subscribe and rate the podcast. If you want to hit me up, please feel free to do so. I love the interaction at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram at Colby dot Daniels there. So Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby dot Daniels on Instagram. So the last few days, getting ready for the NBA season, the Thunder schedule is announced. I kind of like the schedule. Eight games in 14 days. It kind of forces you into a playoff-type mentality out of the gate. And I know it's probably going to be ugly and sloppy for some teams in those first few games, but I like the fact that there is a pressured situation to figure it out quickly and put those games behind you and look to the next game almost immediately. So eight games in 14 days for the OKC Thunder. That's going to be awesome to watch. Secondly, I kind of love that they open with the Utah Jazz. The NBA shutdown happened in Oklahoma City the night Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz were in town. So having the Thunder and the Jazz open this thing, I think is somewhat poetic. Denver is currently the three seed. You have them two days later. The Lakers are the one seed as it stands right now. You have them two days after that. So it goes Utah, Denver, Lakers as your first three games in the first five days that you're back. You get a little bit of a break with the Grizzlies, Wizards, and Suns in the middle of this thing. And then right before the playoffs start, your final two games, once again against quality opponents, the Miami Heat, and you wrap things up with the LA Clippers. I think it's kind of perfect. Three tough games, three easier games, and then two games to kind of get you playoff ready for this Oklahoma City Thunder team. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Like everyone else, I'm just, I'm ready for sports. I'm ready for more competition. You just hope that it's not going to be filled with injuries and things of that nature as these guys essentially go from zero to 100 almost out of the gate. By the way, at the end of the episode, we will have two minutes with Carter Daniels as... Uh, some of these days, he's in the home studio with me, and I throw a microphone on him. He just babbles about whatever. So, two minutes with Carter Daniels at the end of this podcast. But my guest today, one of my great friends, one of my favorite people to talk sports with, and with the NBA getting ready to get started and get ready for their regular season at the end of July, as well as the Eddie documentary on ESPN finally airing, I'm excited to talk to Joe Adkins on the Colby Daniels podcast. Joe, what's happening, my man? What's going on today, Mr. Daniels, my man? How you doing? <laughs> you know what? I miss talking to you, and I miss the I miss the what's going on every time. I love it. <laughs> hey, man, that's my motto. That's my motto. It can mean a lot of things, Kobe. It can mean a lot of things. I feel you. I feel you. Every time, though, it's you know, it's like it's refreshing. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, "What's up, man?" You're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, man, what's good to hear from you, bro? It is, man. It is. How you been? Man, hey, trying to stay COVID-free, man. As you know, it's been a, nothing much going on. A lot of working straight home, and uh, I'm ready to be entertained with uh, some kind of sport. It doesn't really matter what at this point. I, I mean, 
I'll watch someone play jacks now. So <laughs> anything that's going on and that's where it's competitive, I'm in, and I'm all game for it. <laughs> Did you play jacks as a kid? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, that was my point, and how bored I am. I'll even watch jacks. <laughs> well, look, I know how competitive you are at everything, and so I assume that if you played jacks as a kid, you were super competitive at it. Oh, man. Kobe, if I played Jack, I would be the best in the world right now. I can promise you. <laughs> That's what I love about you is there's never been a confidence issue. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I can do it all, baby. I can do it all. I, I do remember all a Jack of all trades. Yeah, that would have been your nickname, though, if you played Jacks, the Jacks of all trades. <laughs> exactly. Um, nice. <laughs> I, do, I remember my grandparents – like their house, they had no toys, but I remember like wanting to play with toys, and they're like, "There's jacks." Like I, nobody <laughs> wants to play with jacks. <laughs> I actually used to just take the ball and, and kind of become a little ball to play with. Right, just, just throw it against a wall like, or bounce it as yeah, high as you can or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, throw it and see if it could get by me. Yeah, that. I never really used the little. I never played that game the way it was supposed to be played. But hey, or kids being entertained. Hey. What what else can you do? You use it, the it kept us out my mom's face. <laughs> you, you use the jacks to like sabotage your parents, and you like strategically place them in places where they may step. And yeah, well, I wouldn't do that only because if my mom actually stepped on that, I probably would have got a nice one. So <laughs> I just I, I just threw the others away and used the ball. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I love it. So last night on ESPN, the documentary Eddie finally released. I I know that the news that they were making this thing came out a while ago. And so I think we've all, you know, kind of been anticipating the release of it. And finally, uh, we got to take it in. What'd you think? I thought it it, it was a a telling story of of just the life of Eddie Sutton and how, or the coaching life of Eddie Sutton and and how it went down. it, it, I believe it was it was accurate. It was right on. I mean, you had guys who were involved in the situation or close to the situation speaking. You had, you know, the triplets at Arkansas. You had Rex Chapman in Kentucky. You had guys from Oklahoma State. So, I mean, I, I thought they did a terrific job. Um, I mean, it, it gives everyone just kind of a – when you saw Coach, you, you really – and I, I really kind of forget that he did have so many problems when I saw him because – he was always okay. He's kind of like that, that father figure to you or a guy that you just respected that you just didn't think about it. So it kind of just brought me back like, yeah, I do remember that happening. And, and I remember the Kentucky and I remember the, the Chris Mills situation and all those things. And it's just like, wow, to, to have it come to and just see the whole story. But I didn't know is that how he was the one that actually got Arkansas going. I thought, you know, because it had been such a tradition that it was always like that. And it only was like that because of Eddie Sutton. And now it all makes sense because in Arkansas, he was God. I mean, whenever we went there, they might, you may as well say they rolled out the red carpet and people poured rose petals at his feet. So, I mean, he's well-respected, as you see. And, and that was one thing that I learned is just the impact he had on Arkansas basketball. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, and and mostly because I don't remember him 
before Oklahoma State. Like, as far back as I can remember, it was Eddie Sutton in Oklahoma State. I don't remember the Kentucky days, and I was a baby, basically, when, when you know, he was at Arkansas for those final few years. Uh, so to, to kind of get the backstory and see it unfold the way that it actually did, um, you know, with, with the buildup of Arkansas and it becoming, you know, I think they said at one point a, a top 10 program at the time that he left uh, to, you know, take the Kentucky job and, and obviously the the wild up and down ride that that was for just a few years uh, was, was maybe the most interesting part to me just because, you know, I feel like we, we are, we lived through the Oklahoma state story. Whereas I, I wasn't familiar with that part of it at all. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. And, and how about that? You go from Arkansas to Kentucky. I don't think they would even do that anymore. I mean, the, <laughs> that, that's a huge SEC rivalry. And, uh, so it, it was it very interesting to see that. Um, like you said, Kentucky, I I was so young. I'm like you. I don't remember. I didn't remember all the details of it, and I sure didn't remember Creighton or any of that. So it was kind of a learning, getting the entire story um, of, of what happened. But, you know, it was funny because Coach at times, one time we were at dinner, and Gottlieb was like, hey, Coach, tell us some stories about Kentucky. And he kind of just started telling us, some of the things that went on and, and what would happen and just how big that program was. And so that was great to just get it from him because he never really talked about it to us or anything. It was just one day we were being funny and was like, hey, let us know. And, and he kind of talked about it and opened up a little bit and gave us some of the information that was given. So that helped me a lot. So I kind of could follow on Kentucky. But it was very interesting just watching the, the, entire, the entire process of just going from Tulsa Central and ending up where he did back home at Oklahoma State. I thought it was crazy when the Kentucky guys were talking and Kenny Walker, I think it was, said in that final year, like, like Rupp was half full. And Rex Chapman's mind was just completely blown that that building could not be filled, you know, to the rafters with, with fans. And, and that's just kind of the, the state it had, you know, reached at, yeah. at the end of his tenure there. Yeah, and, 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 and knowing Kentucky in the way it is, I mean, I couldn't imagine that arena being halfway, half full. And so, you know, that, that had to be the writing on the wall. But, I mean, for, for Coach and watching him, I, I mean, I, and just hearing Sean and Scott talk about it, I think, man, that was just an entire different level of the pressure that you received. And um, it was it was fun to hear those, some of those stories. And it was funny because he, he actually made a quote to the Kentucky guys on the baseline when he was talking to them talking about having a valentine that he still was given 30 years <laughs> later so i thought that was hilarious that <laughs> that 25 years ago he was still talking about you have you got to have a valentine so i really did get a kick out of that dude how about the perm i didn't realize that he went from straight hair to the perm oh yeah now one thing about it make no mistake eddie Sutton knew exactly who he was like the funniest thing, and we always laugh, is during the school year, Coach was very, he was very professional. He would come, suit every day, you know, tie, coat. The first day of summer, Coach would come, he would have khakis on, he'd have a dress shirt on or a button-up, but it would be open two buttons with a coat on, but he'd have a gold chain on, and he'd be hanging, showing. And I would always be like, Coach, what's up with the gold chain? And he always laughed, because it just cracked me up that all of a sudden he would be so just 
all professional. Then all of a sudden he comes out in the summertime, he's got this gold chain hanging. And I used to tell him, like, Coach, I bet you used to think you were sweet, didn't you? And he used to just get a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah, like they're doing that coach's show, and he's got the perm, and he's got those those shades, and he's sitting in the hot tub. And I was like, you know, this is like swag at the top level. Yes, yes. And, and then, I don't know if you heard, he also goes, oh, well, yeah, I dated, a, I dated quite a few women. Before I dated Patsy, I'm like, oh, okay, coach. You know, you letting us know you were getting down, huh? Okay. It was it was really cool to see, you know, the I guess the other side of coach, and you know, maybe just not that game face that he always wore on the sideline, so to speak. Yeah, most definitely. And I think when he got to mature, he was a lot older, so he had calmed down a lot, and he wasn't as uh he, he weren't he wasn't young anymore, and I, and I think he knew that was gonna. It was a big part of Mr. Iba getting him to come back and not want to disappoint Mr. Iba is to where he just straightened his life up and had so much success in it. It was unfortunate how it ended, but it was very interesting to hear the back line that went to that. And people that were around the program, we all understood why it probably happened again. But just to watch it, I mean, it was still sad again to see it and how it unfolded. As, as you were a high school basketball star in the state of Oklahoma, what was what was your impression of the program that was Oklahoma State as he kind of began building that thing back up? The funny thing was, for a few years, I never really even paid attention to Oklahoma State. I mean, I knew I was a Kansas fan because my entire family had, uh, went to Kansas, so I, I was a Jayhawk fan. So I, I probably paid more attention when I did to Oklahoma schools, to OU. I mean, I knew – Oklahoma State, and they actually had a few guys that I knew back when I was younger, like the Matt Clarks and Leroy Combs and guys like that that went there, Charles Williams. So I knew people, but it just wasn't a program that I really paid much attention to because, oh, you get so much attention. But then as it, as I got in high school and I started to be recruited, I, I started to pay more attention, and I realized the reputation of Eddie Sutton. I mean, I knew who he was, but as when I was in high school, I didn't know about how big he was at Kentucky and Arkansas, Creighton. I, I didn't really understand that part of it. To me, it was just like, oh, okay, he was a good coach. But he was one person, Kobe, he could he could work a room like no other. I mean, he was a salesman at his, at his finest. He was respectable. He had class. And, you know, he, he was just a guy that um, if he was able to get you in his home or get you on campus, there was no better guy to close the deal than he. I mean, he was phenomenal with my in my home with my parents and my family. I mean, that was really probably the reason that I ended up at Oklahoma State is because of the relationship he had just built with my family by oh my home visit, just coming by. I mean, he he may have told stories from he probably told stories to my mom and my entire family there for like three hours. I mean, it was it was it was a phenomenal. It was probably my best home visit that I had in. We all enjoyed that, so that kind of brought my attention to Oklahoma State. And then, as I as it got closer, I mean, guys I knew when started going there, and it was going to be a really good program. They were on the they were on the way up, and Sean Sutton really recruited me the majority of the time. But then, when it came down to closing time, about a couple weeks later, Coach Sutton basically just kind of I guess he kind of told Sean, "All right, we got it this close. I'm gonna I'll take it from here." And you know, he sold me, and and it, it's one that um, I, I don't regret because one thing about it, I know I played played for one of the best college basketball coaches in the history of the game. The closer, 
He came in and sealed the deal. Now, you I, no doubt. Did you tell me? I may be making this up, but I, I feel like maybe you told me at one point that that Arkansas was in consideration. Yes, yes, and it, and it was funny because when when I came up, he would tell me he talked about Arkansas and he would say, "Oh, he just go in and say, oh, how what a great place it was." And he never really negative recruited because I think Arkansas really held a special place in his heart and. If you uh, and yesterday on the documentary, you heard him say that that was probably the biggest mistake he made was to leave. So I, I think that held a special place. If if I would have told him I was going to Arkansas, he may have been okay with that. But that might have been the only place. I mean, he was that was the only place that he he spoke. The other schools that he spoke really highly of, it just had a lot of respect for. It. So that was interesting to hear his take on it. But when a guy is able to tell you and not negative recruiting say hey it's a great school and these other things that happen it made me trust him and and that was like okay well i can i can play for this guy because i think he has my best interest i forgot who it was in the documentary but somebody along the way i remember saying something like sean sutton is the smartest basketball mind i've ever encountered uh no question and and i say and i tell people this right now he's the best x and o guy I've ever been around. I, I always said that I would. I thought he would be a better pro coach than college because he is such a good X's and O's. I mean, he understands if you want to get a guy a shot, he knows how to get guys shots. I mean, he's an offensive guru. I mean, he can draw things up. He he has so many sets, can do so many different things, different ways to get people the ball. A great, I mean, just a great, just. It's just his intelligence of the game and how, what to do and how to get guys the ball and just do separate things offensively for a team. He's the best I've ever been around. How many times were you campaigning to draw him plays for him to draw you plays? Oh, uh, every time we got the board out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to go here and you're going to go here and it's going to end with a Joe Atkins shot. <laughs> If it was up to me, that would have been a hell of a play every time. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you prepared to play the level of defense that was going to be required of you when you got there? You know, the funny thing is, that's the one thing that I knew about Eddie Sutton is that, oh, you're going to, oh, he's going to make defense, defense, defense. And so it was like, okay, you're going to have to play, I'm going to have to play defense. Yeah, I understand that. Every coach has told me that. But how you learn to play defense is the part he didn't tell me. And that was the thing. And he was tough. I mean, but it was one way. You were either going to play defense or you weren't going to play. So that was one thing that there was no negotiation or bargaining in that. You were going to guard people. And that was our, we said that, that was our, that's how we measured ourselves. And that's what created the toughness that, that we, his teams always have. And that's why he's had so much success because his team will do the dirty work and out tough guys to win basketball games. Did you ever have a moment where where maybe you weren't doing it at a high enough level and you had to learn that the hard way? Uh, yeah, quite frankly, a lot when I was younger, <laughs> and, and, and to everyone because one of coach's favorite slogans was "the bench is the best motivator." <laughs> and so no I kind of carried that with me to to everyone. I always tell people. Uh, well, if he's not going to do it, don't worry. The bench is the best motivator. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, it was uh, it was it was fun to to watch you know watch back the highlights and you know I remember that '95 run with with uh, Country and and Randy Rutherford and and Keani and and those dudes, you know, going through Tim Duncan and Wake Forest and Marcus Camby and UMass to reach the Final Four and Antonio McDyess. Antonio, the, in the yeah, in the second round. round. That's right. I, I completely yeah. forgot about that as well. I mean, that was yeah. They went through a, a gauntlet to to get the to that gauntlet, Final Four. Yeah. Yes, they did. And, and you know, and that was a Coach Sutton team. Um, we were never really good at the beginning of the season. I think my senior year we were because you just had experience. We were we were better. But his teams never started started very well because offensively we, we were always kind of behind our defense because we worked on defending so much. So at Christmas time was our time to get better. And that's when his teams always got better. So that very seldom when you go back and look up Coach Sutton's career where you see after December where you get in a conference season into postseason play where his teams are playing their best basketball. And as a coach, that's what you want to be as a coach to get your teams to play, play their best basketball at the end of the season. And that's what he was a master of. You know, we uh, I think the last time we talked was right after uh, Coach passed and – I, I talked to you and, and I talked to IMAC and, and I uh, had a long conversation with Tom Dorado, who's who's shown in the documentary as well. And the one thing that, you know, I think kind of translated into the documentary that, that TD told me was, you know, how much the plane crash weighed on him, you know, years after it had happened. And, and he talked a lot about, you know, what strength coach had to, to put forth, you know, throughout that time and, and just kind of carry everybody on his shoulders while he was feeling the pain as much as anybody and it was something that weighed on him for years after oh no question and the thing that the documentary didn't really get into the details of his coaching and how tough he was i mean the players talked about it but the videos you you never really noticed it so you you never really saw saw the way it was but when you talk about that plane crash and what happened i mean we needed his voice at that time, and, and that's a day where I'll never forget any Oklahoma State, anybody part of that family. I remember where I was when I got the call and what, what was going on, where I was, what I was doing when I, I remember crying. I mean, I was crying uncontrollably for so long, and I remember my mother. The next morning, I woke up again, and I just immediately start crying, and my mother doesn't know what to do. She calls Coach Sutton. And she's like, Coach, I don't know what to tell. I, 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 I don't know what to do. And he tells, he tells my mom, he says, tell him to come down now. We need him. And so I get, I, I get myself together, and I head down. And when I get there, I mean, I, I go see him. And that's what changed not only our relationship, but I think it changed the, just the way we went about the Oklahoma State basketball program for the for the rest of the way into where we are now because it was just genuine love. It was the first time I had ever seen Coach show any kind of emotion. I mean, he was crying. I mean, he, I mean, he was. It was the first time I had ever seen any kind of sensitivity or salt or anything. He was crying. We were both crying and we were talking and it, he he felt it was just the guilt that he felt. You knew that it was on. And, and, you know, you don't think about it because for so many years he kept that smile on his face and he kept, you know, he kept, he stayed, he stayed positive. And, but to see it just wear on him, 
and you just watch it literally just eat him up. And that would be hard for any coach. Not many coaches have to go through something like that. And with the things he had already gone through before, I mean, it, it was just probably bound to happen. And, and it was just sad to see. But that there was no greater man to or voice to hear um, that that day we we had the um, when we did the remember the ten and you know the when we had the uh, the memorial to hear that voice. I thought he was phenomenal. I mean to get up there and to speak to those families and have to make those calls and to be able to bounce back the way he did. I mean, it just shows what type of man he was and shows just how tough he was. And I, I told people, you know, I used to be so mad. Like, he was just so hard on us. And, and you know, he made us so – he made us tough. We, we had to be tough to play for him. And when you watch him just – the way he carried that burden, the way he did, and the way he went out, I mean – for years, you know, it, it was like, it was like, man, when is it going to happen? And he just kept ticking. He was just a tough SOB man, and I and I, I appreciate everything he done for me. And I think we all do. And I think as we got old, as we get older, we understand the values of what he actually taught us. And you know, we at that time it was a terrible situation, or or we thought it was, but he was just teaching us how to be men. And hopefully, we'll make him proud as he looks down on us, and we just continue on with our lives. You know, it's it's amazing because not only did he have the impact that he had, but he did it while also being a very flawed human being. And I think that's the one thing that always it, it makes that documentary stand out. But any documentary about somebody, I think it resonates more for any of us because we're all flawed human beings to see someone else struggle with their own issues while also you know having an impact on others' lives and and overcoming their own personal demons. No question. I mean, it, when because we were so close to him, we didn't realize what a huge part we were playing in his life and in, in, in his treatment. Because basketball, that I mean, that was his kingdom. That was the thing that kept him sane. And the same thing that, that actually forced him to, to go through the problems he did was the same thing that saved him. And he was, um, he was just one. He was a great guy. He was tough. But I'll forever be grateful for what he done what he done for me as far as teaching me how to be a man and just teach me even teaching me the things in basketball just so many things that in comparing basketball with life how to be a father you know how to how to the things you have to do to be successful not only in basketball but in life and, and just a teacher and learning trying trying to get guys to learn from his mistakes and not make the same mistake he had and just have an impact on guys lives and for the most part, I mean, when you talk to all of his players, there's, we all say pretty much the same thing about him and how, what a big impact he had in all of our lives. He was the face of Oklahoma State for, I mean, a, yeah. a, a long time. And certainly, uh, you know, the, the basketball program has had a, a, an interesting ride since he left. But when you kind of look at Oklahoma State basketball now, what do you think about where the program is and the direction? I think it's it's going to be safe. I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, getting K Cunningham for you, it, it definitely kind of helps heal heal you for a little bit. But I'm I'm sure they're going to appeal, and we'll see what happens. But I mean, it's probably going to be a downtime for in the next couple of years for Oklahoma State because, as you know, if you don't have enough, if you can't give get enough scholarships, or you're not playing with the same amount of scholarships as everyone else, it just puts you so far behind the eight ball. So, um, it's uh, Oklahoma State that my university it's a strong university so 
will bounce back. Uh, Coach Boynton, he's done a, he's doing a phenomenal job. He's gotten those guys to buy in, and it shows what kind of man he is because those kids still want to stay and play for him. So hopefully things will continue to stay positive or uh, or get back going in the up, upward direction, and uh, hopefully they'll still have a good season. You mentioned earlier you're you're uh, just fiending for any sort of uh, of athletic competition. How much UFC have you watched? You know, I, I watch a little. For a while, I just watched. I was okay with watching all the replays of the games, but then that just got old. Right. So I, I haven't watched as much TV. But you know, the Ronas actually taught me I, I don't have to be out as much. You know, it did teach me that I can't hang out at home. So I have learned some things about myself, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe, maybe not really wanting to. I kind of like to be out and about a little bit. But, I think we've all discovered you know, things about ourselves, and, and some of it good and probably some of it bad throughout this whole process, for sure. M- most definitely, most definitely. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's also just a time to be thankful and grateful that we're alive because so many have lost our lives during this, uh, during this COVID during, for the last four or five months. So... It's just a time where you, at the same time, we struggle and we're disappointed that nothing's really going on. It's a time that you have to be thankful that you're just waking up every morning. Have you uh, stayed in touch with DC? I talked to him right when they announced the fight. I normally give him my, hey, let's go, let's get ready. And he gives <laughs> me the thumbs up and says what he has to say. That, you know, he shows most of the time some choice words each other. And uh, so he's ready. Oh, he'll be ready but when, it's, when the time comes. I, I I doubt if we'll be able to see it this time, man. This will be the first one I've missed in a while. So if they, if they don't let us go, that'll be disappointing. But uh, I have faith in the cowboy, um, and he'll come back on top like he always has. He's he's a bounce back, a guy who anytime he's had some adversity and fell, he's rose again. So I I for this time for Daniel Cormier to be heavyweight champion. I didn't hear exactly where that fight was going to be. Is that is that one going to be in Fight Island? Because I know they're going to be there throughout the they whole month of July, but I, I didn't I didn't remember yeah. hearing the exact location of the DC Stipe fight. Yeah, I, and I don't think it's been determined yet, Kobe. I okay. think they're trying to wait and see. I'm sure they want to make the bucks off that fight because, you know, the one one how each guy won one each fight. I mean, it, it I mean it's a blockbuster fight. I mean, so could possibly be DC's fight, final fight, or which he said it is. We, but we know how that goes. Sometimes fighters they keep going, but this could possibly be the last one for him. So I'm excited for him because no matter what, win or lose, I'm proud of him. That I'm proud to say he was he's a good friend of mine and just what he's accomplished. Um, and, and I think for all Oklahoma State people, we should be proud of DC because he's part of our family, and it's just uh, another success story for our for our history at Oklahoma State. Dude, I'm just ready to uh, maybe like skydive and over Fight Island. Get there any way I can. Man, I'm telling you, it, I mean, whew, it, it's definitely UFC. That man, they missed that. I mean, it's been some great fights in this COVID period too, man. I some guys that I really didn't know. Um, I'm, I'm like, oh wow, yeah. So UFC still has some things going on, but Fight Island that's definitely interesting. Um, Dana White had this thing figured out really quick to keep his keep his sport in the eyes of the people, and uh, UFC is capitalizing. They're probably gaining new fans. Yeah, I I know a bunch of people that have been, I guess, casual fans. You know, that they're definitely tuning into the McGregor fights and and things of that nature yeah. when you get that superstar involved. But 
I know I know a lot of people that have watched more UFC over the last month than maybe than combined in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm one I'll watch when the real good guy when the main, the major guys when they fight, I, I normally watch, but like you say, I've watched some guys that I had never even seen fight just because I mean nothing else has been on, so it's, but UFC's always been entertaining. It's it's just it's it's not I you know I'm a boxing guy so, but watching UFC I, I've enjoyed it and, and and it's good because you know it does give give the fans kind of brighten your horizons a little bit because it's a sport that not everyone pays attention to but it does bring some light to the sport and it it lets people know and the respect you have to have for those guys and the punishment that they take and what they have to do to their bodies just to compete at the level they compete at. Yeah. What uh, What are you thinking about the, the NBA return and the whole setup in Orlando and how all that's going to work? Well, I mean, if, if you got, if you want to play that, I mean, that's just what you have to do. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for it, but, I mean, I'm also, I mean, optimistic because, you know, something can happen. Uh, Florida has had their problems out there. They're still uh, – kind of spiking a little bit and, and it's been a hot bed hopefully those guys will be able to stay safe and everyone can return to their family safely and we can have an injury free or in COVID free uh bubble and uh we get good nba basketball so i saw the thunders schedule released what was it three two or three days ago mm-hmm. i kind of love the fact that it's eight games in 14 days like it it I think the setup of this thing forces you into a playoff type mentality right out of the gate. Oh, no question. And and the thing is, I mean, Kobe, we have no idea what these teams are going to do. Right. You know, I mean, they have, I mean, guys hadn't played for three months. I mean, everyone didn't have basketball goals at their home. So, I mean, that training camp, I'm sure, but the, I would love to have a camera in some of those training camps those first couple of days of practice because those guys are just not used. I mean, they had been around the ball and just right. having that same routine that they're accustomed to all the time, staying in rhythm. So they're going to have to find rhythm again just to, for us to get that quality basketball. So we're going to have to be patient those first couple games because even though they'll practice a while, it'll still take them some time to get in game shape. But I think once the playoffs hit and it gets going, it I mean – it it'll be it won't be probably you know the 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 just the crispness of the basketball but by the finals you'll get it but hey you know I knew we would they were gonna find a way because I there was no way I thought LeBron James was gonna play a season that that wasn't gonna be a basketball <laughs> champ I mean <laughs> so it should it is what it is but uh I'm I'm not gonna complain I'm excited and hopefully as I said earlier if we can be injury free and COVID free. Yeah, the, the start is going to be interesting because, and I was making this comparison this morning on another podcast, we always talk about the All-Star break and, and just what that one week seems to do for teams having momentum and chemistry and, and all of that being disrupted. So to have this idea that the Thunder are just going to pick up where they left off to me, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think there's there's more than a little chance that they're not the same group when this thing reboots. And the other thing that I think stood out to me and I was talking about it before the season ended, you know, when it did, was the fact that the Thunder kind of found that chemistry before a lot of teams that were, you know, kind of looking for the same thing. They found it early in the season, much earlier than any of us anticipated they might find it. And they also kind of played at a level 
that you don't necessarily see on a regular basis during the regular season. So I think when you combine those two things, that equates to a lot of the success that the Thunder had. Now you go into the situation where, once again, everybody's trying to find that chemistry again, and everybody's playing every game with the same level of urgency. I wonder how all of that is going to, you know, I guess equate to what the Thunder end up being in this eight-game stretch. Yeah, I understand what you're saying because the Thunder, their team is so young. It, it was like they played playoffs with a playoff intensity almost. Maybe right, not right. top level, but very, you know, I mean, much more with much more effort than most other teams. And, and that's because, of course, most teams are saving themselves. So it'll be interesting to see once those veteran ball clubs, once they turn it up to another level, can the Thunder still be what they were uh, throughout this season? Can they pick up where they left off or – Will they kind of uh, not fall to the wayside, or will they show their youth in, or youth and experience? So their, their leader is Chris Paul, which is no better. There's no better leader in the game today still. Um, so I'm sure he'll try to have those guys as well prepared as possible for, for the final eight games and into the playoffs. But there's no better teacher than experience. So either way, I think for Oklahoma City, this year you have to be happy. Uh, with what's going on, and hopefully you can build off it and have a little bit of success in the playoffs. So the first game is the Utah Jazz, and I know that it wasn't intentional, but I'm kind of hoping that Steven Adams gives Rudy Gobert a big elbow to the face like in the first minute just for the shutdown. <laughs> well, just just a little well, like, this is your fault, boom. <laughs> it started with you. Well, unfortunately... Unfortunately, it kind of did start with Rudy. He kind of <laughs> expedited this whole deal right. for sure. But, I mean, I, I'm sure it would have been coming. But uh, I don't know. I think Rudy, he doesn't even have any – maybe if, if he does elbow him in the nose, he might get the, the smell back because I think he's still struggling <laughs> with some right, symptoms yeah. from COVID that, uh, where I, I think he said uh, he still doesn't have his sense of smell and they said it could be up to a year before it comes back. So, He's having enough problems, but maybe that'll help him out. That's insane, <laughs> man. I've I, He's the only yeah. person I've heard that from. I've not heard anybody else yeah. say that that was something that, that had bothered them when they when they got COVID. Yeah, and well, early they were saying that was a symptom, but like you say, you don't hear it a lot from others. But yeah, that's it true. It was funny, and also he was talking about he his toes would be tingling all the time. And I was like, now, I didn't hear that. <laughs> So I, I wouldn't mind if Oklahoma City could still get Utah in that first round with him still being a little uh I, I would I would imagine still a little shook up from that deal. And then he and Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, their superstar, not on the greatest of terms right now. So I, I would love to get that first round matchup for Oklahoma City because maybe the possibility for them to advance and just advancing and, and getting even if they were to get beat in five games. Uh, versus the Lakers or the Clippers, I think the experience just helps you and it exerts those young guys to want to get back and, and create that hunger, which we saw with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and that, and that group, James Harden, the first time they made it to the playoffs and eliminated. I think it, that was the motivation that really turned this city around. How great would an OKC Houston first-round series be? Oh, my. That would be wonderful. <laughs> that That would be... Oh man, you could not, you, Kobe. That it couldn't be a better playoff series than that. Joe, I've round. never heard you this speechless, man. Oh man, 
that would be one. I hadn't even thought about that. Is it possible? I don't even know what place is Houston in right now. Is that possible? The Thunder and the Rockets are both 40 and 24. They have the same record, oh, and I think Oklahoma City is ahead in the standings because they had the tiebreaker oh, so, between Houston. But and, the, so yeah. that means they're both a half behind Utah then. So, yeah. yeah, so they can both catch Utah and play. Oh, for sure. That would be, oh man, that would be wonderful. I don't know if I like Oklahoma City's chances um, because I think the playoffs are about superstars. But, I mean, with Chris Paul and Oklahoma City, I, I won't count them out, but I am up in, in, in the playoffs, as you know, it is about the name. And as, as they say, in the regular season, you make your name in the playoffs, you make your fame. So, Russell, <laughs> Russ and James have definitely staked their claim in the playoffs. So, it would be a, a, it would be extremely fun to watch, but I don't know if I would favor Oklahoma City in that series. You know, the funny thing is, in that series, on top of every other storyline that would be involved, the, the point you just made... James Harden has been criticized for his playoff finishes. The last two years, Russell Westbrook and his playoff performances have been highly criticized. And then Chris Paul is one of those guys that I think gets that moniker, you know, best player to maybe never make a championship. Most definitely. And, and I, you know, Chris Paul, he's a guy who has a chip on his shoulder as well. So he's probably a guy that wouldn't mind that. He wouldn't mind getting back at Maury if he could possibly eliminate those guys. I think the greatest way to, to get back at a team or your owner is to beat them in the playoffs. So that's probably something he would be excited about as well. So it, it definitely would be a fun series, and I couldn't wait. It would be awesome. I'm I, That's the one I'm hoping for from a from an entertainment standpoint. I think, to your point, oh, you know, a, I, I think a Denver or Utah series might be more winnable for the Thunder, or you know, maybe another team plays their way into – a potential matchup, but yeah, I think yeah. like from just strictly from a, I I'm on the edge of my seat. Can't wait to watch these games happen. OKC Houston would be top level. No question. And you know, Kobe, we say this about, you know, the experience, maybe camaraderie, you know, in, in a situation like this, you know, it can't just all come down to talent because nobody's been around. Nobody's playing. Nobody's been playing. So guys aren't in shape the camaraderie and the togetherness of teams, that may be the key. Because if you don't like each other, and then I spend three months away from you, I come back, well, I sure as hell ain't going to like you when I get back. (laughs) And (laughs) and so, you know, with the, you know, the Clippers, although they're probably the most talented team, you know, this season for them wasn't really smooth. You know, they had some bickering at times about who's going to play and why all the guys aren't playing. So, when when you have when you separate like this, you have to come back and, and rush this thing together. I'm not I'm not sure if I don't like a team, maybe like a team like Oklahoma City, give them a better chance just because that team actually embraces each other and likes each other. You know, if you, you play a whole entire nine months, you can gear yourself into okay, now we just work our way, and everybody says forget it, the playoffs. But when you leave and just come back and say okay, let's go, now we're right back at it. I think it takes a little more time, so teams with good camaraderie, I think it, it could help them a little. So that's why I kind of think I'm, I might take Milwaukee just because they're a team they've been together for a while and the way they play, it, it's easier to play because they, they have one guy the Lakers because they can play around one guy with Brian and he can create just make it so much easier and just the they they don't they didn't have a lot of distractions. The teams that don't have a lot of distractions 
I kind of like him in this in, in this time frame because everything is so rushed and so that means the importance of how well you how how well you created your team not only uh, to get along but to play together in times like this so we'll see it's going to be interesting because I have no idea what's going to happen with guys sitting out three months and just not playing and then all of a sudden having to play at level 10 so I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride was Giannis the MVP before the shutdown I thought so Um, I mean guys have guys have been really good uh, but I mean Brian was making a push, but I mean, Giannis, he's on, he's, he's, he's on the best team. He's averaging, I mean, 30 plus, uh, coming off of MB, MVP season, coming back with an even better season. I think it's just hard based on how the NBA has, um, picked their, picked their MVPs over the years. I think, I just think it's hard to, uh, deny Giannis from being back to back, but you very well could see. Um, LeBron, because of you know, of course, LeBron chasing history. But I, I think, in my opinion, I think it has to be Giannis. I'm curious for MVP voters how much the performance of this eight game stretch maybe plays into where they go with their vote. And and certainly, if you felt like it was dead even with LeBron and, and Giannis at the break, then this eight game stretch is the decider. But I kind of felt like when everything stopped. LeBron was certainly making a push, but I, my sense was that Giannis was still in the lead by by a decent margin. I thought so, and and yes, LeBron it was coming and making a push, but I don't know if you can punish Giannis for being just consistently the best player throughout the season, and LeBron starting out a little slower and just starting to play so right. well towards the end that you say, okay, he's had a better season than Giannis, when Giannis has just been consistently the best player each month in the season. So it's going to be difficult, and it's a tough choice because I don't think you can go wrong with either player. But when you talk about the NBA and how they like to reward winning, even though both guys are in first place, I think because Milwaukee has the the best record, they may give Giannis the nod. We haven't talked uh, basketball in a long time, uh, so forgive me if if we've had this conversation, but – John Morant, Zion Williamson, not necessarily this year, but going forward, which guy do you like? I want to. I'm going to have to see. Right now, it's easy to say Zion. I mean, I think the play is probably Zion because he has so much upside, but he also has some health. He's going to have to change his body a little bit. Um, but I, I'm also in favor of starting your organization with a really good point guard and. John Morant seems to have a very good understanding of uh, how to play in this league, and he's had great success for a young guy. Um, he's pretty well ahead of his curve play, much better than I, I thought he ever would play, especially being in his rookie season. So I, I, I'm going to say Zion because he has the most upside. But today, I mean, I think John Morant, I would say he's the, not that he, he's the better player because he played more. But he had the better season just because he did. Oh, for play. sure. And I don't think you can go wrong with 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 either guy. I mean, Zion is a tremendous talent. So, I mean, it's just going to be how his body, how he takes care of that body because he is so heavy. And I mean, he's just a big kid. That frame as he uh, chisels that body up, I think the sky's the limit. But he also has some injuries, so the key for him is going to be to stay healthy. I, I think we're in the most talent-rich era of point guard play in the history of the NBA 
And with that said, in his rookie season, how close do you think Ja Morant is to being considered a top 10 point guard? I haven't really thought about putting him in the top 10 just because I kind of just left him in that rookie class. Um, I, but when you think about it, he's probably, I, I mean, I wouldn't put him probably past 13 anyway if you just yeah. think about it. I mean, just just off the top of my head thinking guys, but you also had some guys like Kyrie, Steph, who hadn't played this year. Um, he's probably, well, he's probably 13 or 14, middle of the pack, middle of a pack guy, but definitely trending upward. And just the improvement of his jump shot will catapult him a couple of spots just by just becoming a better shooter. Because I think the other things as far as how he sees it, sees the game, he's one of the better passers in the game already better ball handlers, one of the most athletic PGs in, in the so league. He's so explosive. And, uh, yeah, very explosive. So once he starts to put together a jump shot, and it doesn't even have to be the three consistently, but just being able to make mid-range shots or make open shots, that'll make him become a much better, more, much better player and make him even twice as dangerous because then guys just don't know how to cover him with that explosiveness again. I think I saw him tweet today, actually, that he has put on 15 pounds. Is that Rona weight or group weight? <laughs> <laughs> I may have put on 15 pounds. You know what? Bragging. That's fair because I'm, I made the joke that I've put on the, the COVID-19 <laughs> in the first, like, month and a half of this thing. Yeah. So I can't, I can't say. I can't say. I spent – so I spent yeah. the first, like, three weeks – in the kitchen, being creative, like it happened fast. Like next thing I knew, I was like, "My pants don't fit." No question, no question. Welcome to that club, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't have that problem in your gigolo days, did you? <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but no, I mean, putting on fifteen pounds. I mean, in three months, you got to think that's a lot. Yeah. And I, it, that that I want to see how he's able to move with that because his body's not used or accustomed to carrying that type of weight. And it'll be interesting to see once they start running and conditioning again and playing, how much of it actually comes off. But I'm sure he's probably added a little bulk, which never hurts you in this season because it's a long season. And then if they can stay in the eighth spot and make the playoffs, it'll be more physical to take extra extra bumping and banging they're going to allow him to do. So I, as long as he carries that weight well, I don't see any problem with it. But if it's going to affect his explosiveness or any way it's going to make him even tighter where he loses some of his flexibility, then I, I'll, he'll change his – he'll go back and, and, you know, change his body. But I, I'm, I'm sure it looks good right now. But in the offseason, it's easier for him to gain weight. But as soon as they start running, some of it will fall off. So it'll be interesting to see how he's able to sustain that weight. The guy I always think of when you talk about basketball players and, and hitting the weights and, and gaining muscle and all that is Larry Johnson and just what that did to his game. No question. And, and you know, in college, he was already a man. But, you know, that physicality of the league, is uh, it, that's the one thing, the hardest thing probably for young players to adjust to. But it's becoming easier for perimeter players because they don't let you be – they're not letting you be as physical on the perimeter. So it's not as – it's not a biggest a deal for a guy like Morant now. But in the playoffs, you know, as you know, they're going to allow guys to be more physical, and they're, they're, they're not going to blow that whistle as, as much on the perimeter with guys being physical. So the weight will help them, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes for them. 
Is there a possible NBA Finals matchup other than Milwaukee Lakers that gets the sort of geeked out reaction that that one would get? No, I, I mean I, the Clippers and Milwaukee. I think that I mean that that's a good one as well. I think those those two LA teams, and I just don't think there's a team in the East that's good enough. I mean, I I still Toronto has a shot. I mean, they're going to be there, Philly if they can get their stuff together. But teams like that is who I worry about because they haven't been around each other. Um, Boston is a team that could, um, that could, because they have experience now in the playoffs and adding Kimba, that could make some noise. So I, I, I could see maybe Paul, if, if there's a team who could, that could uh, knock Milwaukee off, I think it's, it's probably Boston. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing Boston face either the Lakers or the Clippers as well. The Clippers are interesting to me because they they didn't have the smoothest regular season up to the point that the shutdown happened, yet they were still the number two seed in the West. We didn't have a ton of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and, and the whole group playing together. And so I, I guess it, it kind of feels a little bit more maybe disjointed when you think about them than the Lakers scenario. But they're, they're every bit as talented, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, they have a lot of veteran guys, so it'll be easier for them to, to get their minds and mold in the playoff year. But when you have veteran guys, it's also harder to get in shape. So it'll be – man, it's going to be interesting because just guys didn't have the access to all the things that they, they're accustomed to during the season. So I, I just hope there's not a lot of injuries or things like that that happen because we're trying to rush this thing back and kind of – make these games get us do a little off kilter because they're going to play so many games in a short amount of time let's plan on getting together after like maybe toward the end of that two-week period where they're playing the regular season games and we'll we'll reevaluate and make some official picks okay no problem lock me in my man hey and until then if you get super bored uh i'm going to get on amazon right now and search the depths of the earth for a jack set and if you get brave enough We'll set up a camera, and, and we'll go one-on-one. Teach me the game. All you got to do is teach me the game, baby, and I'll conquer it. <laughs> the best that ever was, baby. The best that ever That'll it. be my 30 for 30 one day. The best there ever was. It, and then it, it'll be, it took a pandemic for one man to realize everything. his destiny. <laughs> yes. 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 All right, no my friend. Doubt. Always love catching up with you. All right, man. Appreciate it. Hey, we'll talk again soon. All right, now, Kobe, thanks. Joe Adkins joining us on the Colby Daniels podcast. Say, this is Two Minutes with Carter Daniels on the Colby Daniels podcast. It's this Two Minutes with Carter Daniels in the Daddy podcast. What have you been doing today? Good. Yeah, what have you been doing? What did you do today? Play with my puppy and go for a You played with your puppy today? We watch movies, Peppy and Daddy, and Go for Rock and Carter and Daddy. That's right. Yeah. What's your puppy's name? Million Pino. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Million Pino dogs. Yeah, those are your dogs. Which one's your favorite? And Million Pino. Both of them. You love them both. Yeah. Do you like playing with the puppies outside? Yeah. I like podcasts. What does Carter eat? Um, chickens. What's your favorite breakfast food? Um, pasta. No, you don't eat pasta for breakfast. What do you eat for breakfast usually? Um, 
broccoli. You you never eat broccoli. What are you talking about? Um, chickens. Do you like pop tarts, cherry or blueberry? Which one do you like better? Cherry. Do you have any songs for us today? Yep. Yeah. What song do you have? A B C. Go for it. A. B. C. D. E. F. Can you sing the whole song by yourself? Yeah. Go. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, Hump, N, O, V, Q, R, S, T, V, W, X, Y, and Z. No, my ABCs next time, won't you save me and please? Outstanding, sir. That was amazing. Thank you, Carter Daniels, for your contribution to episode four of the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it. That is today's episode. As always, I really appreciate you guys. Please do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate the podcast. Review the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. On Instagram, Colby dot Daniels. That's Twitter, Colby underscore Daniels. Instagram, Colby dot Daniels. And uh, feel free to hit me up. I do my best to respond to every comment. So please reach out. Again, thanks for listening. You guys are the best. This is the Colby Daniels podcast. Have fun, stay safe, and I love you guys.